G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway Podcast, the podcast that's all about intermittent fasting. I'm your host, Graham Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilograms or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and successfully maintained that weight loss. I'm also the author of the Amazon category best-selling book, The Fasting Highway, which will give you a great insight into what it's actually like to live it day to day, how to get started, what it's about, what are some of the health benefits that come from it, and how to turn it into a successful long-term lifestyle. In this series of podcasts, you'll be hearing from people from all over the world, from the beginners to the experienced and those that are on the journey. You'll also be hearing from some leaders in the intermittent fasting community, and you'll also be hearing from some past guests as we recheck in to see how they've been going. And thank you for joining us here on the Fasting Highway. Enjoy the show. G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. And this is episode 121. So just before I start today, I just wanted to thank everybody out there that has been buying my book, The Fasting Highway, on Amazon. It's really appreciated, and I can tell you it goes a long way to help support the podcast and try and keep it commercial-free. So thank you so much, and if you haven't bought it, well, it might be something you might want to do. If you want to try and start intermittent fasting, you want to get some motivation or inspiration to start, or you're struggling a little bit along the way, there's some tools in there to help you. So that's my book, The Fasting Highway. Okay, let's get to today's amazing guest, and I'm going to be speaking with Jeanette Brovold. And Jeanette is a 58-year-old woman, married, and is a retired bank manager of 31 years. And she lives in Port Dover, Ontario, Canada, with her amazing forever man, Keith, and the Jack Russell, Abby. And Jeanette has battled weight issues her whole life, a lot of yo-yo dieting, a lot of trying various programs. And she describes the day that she found out about intermittent fasting from a dear friend as a day she will never forget. So here to tell us all about that journey is the amazing Jeanette Brovold. Oh, g'day, Jeanette, and welcome to the Fasting Highway, and thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Graham. Nice to meet you, and uh, glad to be here today. Oh, glad to have you here, Jeanette. So, Jeanette, for people around the world listening to this podcast, if you wouldn't mind sharing a bit of your backstory, any problems with weight and health in your life and that sort of thing, and what actually led you up to finding out about intermittent fasting? Okay. Uh, Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for all you do for all of us who want to succeed in making IF our lifestyle and tell you that you're an idol of mine and probably many others. The support, the inspiration and the dedication you give to us is by far the most selfless act. And I'm sure I can speak for many others that we appreciate you. And I think that's important for you to know. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, So, you know what, I uh, pretty much have been a little chubby all my life. I grew up where my parents had split when, uh, you know, we were pretty young. There was four of us children in uh, early teens, and my mom had to raise us on our our own. And uh, we weren't exactly uh, really good children. We were a little bit on the wild side, so you can imagine for my mom the uh, stress behind all of that. And her not really having any education, she, you know, tried to get, had to get jobs that she could. And so we ate a lot of processed foods. 
because at, at that time, it was a, a lot cheaper to eat that kind of stuff. And I can remember my mom, she worked for this place called Luncheon is Served. And basically what it was was a bunch of frozen foods and she would go around and have parties uh, introducing this food. So we ate a lot of that stuff. So you can imagine the uh, high salt, the high fat, the high carbs in it. And then, and then of course, like, you know, cookies and cakes and chips were plentiful all the time and, and the cheaper way to probably fill us for growing kids, right? So, you know, I pretty much was always kind of chubby, but got got through it. Um, and then I just started dieting probably when I was about 13 years old. I would go on anything, I any kind of diet that I could. Uh, I did, you know, hypnosis. I did, you know, the, all the famous ones. I did the injections. Uh, I did the starvation. I even did, you know, taking the pills, all that stuff. And, um, you know, I would lose the weight, uh, on most times, but unfortunately, you know, and I would even get all the weight that I thought I wanted off, but I never, ever got to maintain it. I just couldn't figure out how to maintain it. And I never stuck around for the maintenance part of it because honestly, it just got so expensive and I just couldn't see that I was worth that kind of money to, to do that. So that's kind of the background of me and my journey to weight loss. Okay, so how did you find out about intermittent fasting, Jeanette? When did you first discover it? Well, actually, I had joined uh, this February, February 2nd, I believe it was. I uh, had started a program. It's a fairly new program out there, but it was all counting calories. And I um, started that, and I was six weeks in. And actually, you know what? I was losing some weight on it, and I just like... I knew I couldn't, I couldn't sustain that. I knew that that was not going to be something in my life that I was going to be able to sustain. And um, I kind of got a little depressed about it. And I was sitting out of the porch, I can remember this, and I was like, I remember this girl uh, from my running days, and her name was Sandra Crowley, and she's actually one of our members on the TFH. And she... Um, I remember her talking about intermittent fasting. And so I looked her up and I actually texted her and I said, could you tell me a little bit more, a little bit more about IF? And she said, well, I'm going to just tell you, you need to get these books, you know, Delay, Don't Deny, Fast, Feast, Repeat, uh, The Fasting Highway. You need to get those books. You need to read those. And then if you have any questions, then you can go ahead and ask. And that was March 23rd. And it was funny enough is that I had just gone out for a walk and I came back and I realized that um, I hadn't eaten yet and it was already at noon. So I'd already probably gone about 16 hours. And I said, I'm just gonna start today. But I also was doing some research and I was, I actually lo uh, looked up uh, Jason Fung cause that was also something she recommended. And uh, the funny part was, is that, you know, I said, okay, I'm gonna try this. And thank God, he says, I can still have cream in my coffee and or milk because I take milk. And I said, OK, I'm going to do that. So I my first day I had milk in my coffee and uh, I actually then joined the fasting highway. And the first thing that it says is, you know, you got to do it. The true fast is no 
nothing like that in your coffees, just water, black coffee, black tea. And so on the March 24th, I started the clean fasting and never turned back. Oh, that's fantastic. And a big shout out to Sandra, by the way. Uh, Sandra is a very inspiring member of the group. And, and thank you, Sandra, for helping Jeanette with that. But Jeanette, you've had a lot of ups and downs. A lot of us have with weight in your life and that sort of thing. You've tried quite a few things, but there's always a why of why we want to be healthy, why we want to get to that point. Just tell us a bit about your whys. Okay. Uh, so I spent about two years prior to, I retired in uh, October 2020 and about sometime in 2018, I kind of went through some really dark days uh, in my mind. I was undiagnosed, but I would get these dizzy spells. Uh, I had ears, my ears were ringing so bad. I'd have these five, five, 10 second blackouts. Uh, I was so tired all the time, always napping. Every time I came home from work, I um, you know, had to have a nap before dinner. Uh, the headaches were so bad that I actually thought I had a brain tumor. And so the doctor uh, had me go through a uh, brain scan, uh, MRIs. I had my ears checked uh, and my eyes to find that there was nothing diagnosed other than I had tinnitus. Uh, so, you know, who knows what, what that was all about. And then the other big thing was that my mom, as I told you earlier, is in the last stages of Alzheimer's. And I've been reading a lot of studies around it, and they say that fasting can help prevent or slow down the process along with the vitamins, exercise, and proper eating. Um, so I thought, you know what? What do I got to lose? And I was really living a very sad inside life, and I have a wonderful support system and husband, but I just inside myself, it was just so, so dark. And that's what my, that's my wise. And it'll always be my wise. Yeah. I think they're fabulous wise too. Well done with that. So what we might do is go back to the start of your fasting journey, Jeanette. Okay. If you don't mind, people often like to know the stats, that sort of thing. Are you able to share the stats of when you started and, and what sort of weight you were and, and what you were looking at? Sure. So like I said, February 2nd, I started this uh, calorie counting diet uh, and I um, was 240 pounds. I'm five foot six and I'm 58 years old. Uh, I then I used to think I was five, six and a half, but I apparently I'm only five, six. So I think I lied about that. I like to be taller. And uh, then uh, I lost about six pounds. And on March 22nd, 23rd, I decided I would start uh, IF. Uh, so at that time, I was like uh, 234, I believe I was. And a uh, year, so now I'm 162 pounds. So I've lost 78 pounds in total in just... I've actually had this 162 for uh, over a month. So in one year, I lost all that weight uh, from totally clean fasting. Okay, well, that's fantastic. So for our, our Southern listeners there, Jeanette's lost around the uh, 35 kilo mark, 78 pounds. She started out around 105 kilos, something like that. So Jeanette, when you first started, how did you choose a protocol and why did you choose that certain protocol? I chose the 16 and 8 because that's why when I was reading the Jason Fung a little bit on YouTube, that's what he said to start. 
Um, I hadn't received my books yet, so I was, you know, didn't really know that much about it other than, you know, texting back and forth with Sandra. And then I got the books and within a week I went to the 18 and 6 because one of the things I found interesting is that I didn't follow the fast fees repeat as far as the 28 days uh, because I was already into it and I was feeling really good about where I was at. So I was like, okay, you know what, I'm going to go to 18 and 6. And I stuck with that probably for the first, I'm going to say maybe two months. And then I went to 19 and 5. Uh, I stayed at 19 and 5 probably right up till uh, about three months ago. And then I went to uh, 20 and 4. But I would have those days where I would go to 16 and 8 or 18 and 6 if there was something special going on or I was going out with a friend, uh, that kind of thing, because I felt like I didn't want this to be a diet. I wanted this to be my life. And I needed to always be able to do it. So it never hurt my protocol or how I was going to do things. And uh, I even threw in a couple of uh, longer fasts. I did a 36 and I did a 42. Not a huge fan of those um, because in the end, I you end up have, I end up having uh, some bathroom problems that I, um, I'm still kind of working my way out of those. I'm, uh, you know, sometimes I need to be closer to a bathroom. And I think uh, it's kind of important to tell people that on the fasting highway, I'm like thir almost 13 months in, I still occasionally have that. Uh, but it's could be something I'm starting to journal that because um, it could be something that I'm eating when I first open up my window. So I'm looking at that uh it, it, who knows what it is. I'm also looking at what vitamins I'm taking. The great thing with the fasting highway is the search engine up top is that you could look up that kind of stuff. So anybody that's had conversations and there has been a lot. Um, and so it kind of tells you maybe some vitamins like magnesium, I think it's citrate, magnesium, that type of thing. And obviously, you know, going to my doctor and asking her as well what she thinks. And she actually referred me to some magnesium as well. So, and then I take some charcoal uh, in a vitamin form as well, but I take it all within my eating window because I get a lot of gurgling in my stomach. Honestly, that has improved greatly over the last month. I was really concerned about it, 10, 11 months in that this would be something I would have to live with for the rest of my life. And you know, really, that's a pretty tough thing to live with. Um, but I wasn't going to change. I, I would have lived with it. But I think if I can rectify and figure out what I'm eating, then that's probably the best way to do it. Yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, consult your doctor at all times, you know, if you're ever worried about something like that. But I think when you do open your window, particularly if you have done a couple of those longer fasts, is to open your window with something pretty gentle that's going to, yeah. you know, help with your system. So, you're doing the right thing by sort of trying to identify what might be going on there. And you can only do that really by trial and error and see how it goes and how it reacts to your system at the time. But I always say to people, don't really open your window with a, you know, couple of rows of chocolate or something <laughs> or something that's going to, you know, if you haven't eaten for a fair while, you know, make sure it's something gentle and just easy to on your system. That's all. So Jeanette, we're going back to the clean fast now. You, you touched on there that when you first started, you thought, Eureka, I can have cream in my coffee, I can have milk in my coffee and all that. And Dr. Fung does say that in his book, but it's important to remember that Dr. Fung is dealing with very, very obese patients in his clinic in Toronto there. And what Dr. Fung actually says is that I would rather see a four or 500 pound patient 
do that and use it as a crutch to get through fasting at the start rather than see them not want to do it at all. And these people are in a, you know, a life-saving situation. They have to do something. And so he's telling them to do that. But he does also say that once you get into a situation where your weight gets down, that the ideal thing is to do that perfect fast, you know, the clean fast we talk about. And then also you, you get to that stage where it just becomes second nature. But did you notice any differences when you switched over from the, the dirty fasting to the clean fast at all? Well, it, only, it was only one day for me. So, uh, but even in that one day, I, uh, it, it, was, it was pretty phenomenal. I remember thinking one day, I'm, not, I'm just not hungry. Like I wasn't, I didn't get hungry like I did the first day when I had a little bit of milk. And maybe that seems unrealistic, but I did notice the difference within one day of, you know, going from a dirty fast to a clean fast. And I was easily able to get through my 16 and 8. And that's why I switched to 18 and 6. And I think I thought, oh, this can't be that hard. Let me go to 18 and 6. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've interviewed dozens of people now on this podcast, and many of them started off because they didn't know any better with the dirty fasting, putting cream in their coffee, having peppermints, having sodas, all those sorts of things, because they thought a diet soda didn't have any calories and all that. But what happens is if you have those things, your mind gets tricked into thinking that you've got some food coming. And then what happens when the food doesn't come, you start getting really hungry, you white knuckle to your window. So I always say to people, clean fasting is going to make your fast so much easier and you're going to be able to get through to your eating window without that real white knuckling feeling, you know, like you're going to be starving or something. So, yeah, I really encourage people out there to do the clean fast at all times. And what we mean by the clean fast, Jeanette, just run us through that for you. What does a clean fast mean for people? For me, it's, uh, I, I, you know, I have only black coffee when my, you know, um, during my 20 hour fast, which is what I do mostly. I do 20 and fours. Uh, I only have water. Um, I don't actually have the uh, seltzer water, but I, cause I just don't care for it, but I just have water, black coffee. Occasionally I've had a black tea, but I like black coffee. It tastes good. So I don't, I, I don't need to, to worry about that. And maybe a yeah. little Himalayan salt. Sorry. No, that's okay. Um, I think the other thing, too, is to remember with beverages, you know, when you're having your fasting, is don't let a beverage get in the way of your health goals. Just for that tiny bit of milk or cream, why do that? Just give your fast as pure, clean as you can and maximize the benefits of what you're doing. I mean, you know, why fast all day and then wreck it by doing that? That's my theory anyway. So, Jeanette, we're going to talk about the eating window now. And were you a person that was eating all the things or whatever you craved or, or were you delaying anything when you first started? Well, the, the funny thing is, is that I was doing the calorie counting on this other program that I was on. So um, I think I had a little bit of an advantage because I sort of knew how many, like what calories in, calories out kind of thing was. But again, I didn't want to live that kind of lifestyle where I was had to worry about how many calories I was taking in. So I don't actually, I'm one of those people that I can, I eat whatever I want. I, I am not low carb and I'm not low fat. I'm, uh, I, I'm not low sugar. I basically have whatever I want. I mostly only do uh, OMAD. Um, I will, so let's say my, most of my windows are 3.30 to 7.30. 
So at 3.30, I'll have a little snack. Uh, might be a piece of fruit, might have be some yogurt, might little be crackers and cheese. Uh, then I have whatever my husband uh, cooks for me for dinner because I don't cook. And uh, so he does all the cooking. And so whatever he does, it, it could be, you know, steak and baked potato and vegetables, or it could be a hamburger and French fry. Um, and then uh, if I want a dessert afterwards, then then I have my dessert before 7.30. But I always have a coffee with a little bit of creamer. It actually seems to be my dessert more than not, because I just find as soon as I have that, I'm full, I'm done, I'm ready to go. So I'm having less and less desserts. Definitely was having pretty much a dessert all the time in the first probably eight months. Um, but I rarely have a dessert anymore because it's just not something I need to have anymore. So it's quite it's quite interesting because I'm a girl that uh, would wait for my husband to go to bed. So I would eat dinner, whatever we were having for dinner, and I'd eat it a lot. And then uh, I'd wait till he went to bed because I'd already be thinking about what snack I was going to have when he went to bed and I would basically sneak that snack and try to be as quiet as possible to eat that snack when he went to bed. He never judged me. It was me judging myself, but, uh, you know, I always had that snack. So for me to eliminate that altogether and not even want it or even think about it, it to me is quite amazing. Yeah, that's a huge win for you. I'm like you too. I often close my window after I've had a coffee with cream in it, and that's sort of my dessert, if you like, as well. I mean, not often I eat dessert. You know, there's not a lot of really desserts I like anymore that, you know, that I used to eat. I mean, I was a huge fan of things like apple pie and ice cream and that sort of thing. But, <laughs> you know, over the years, my tastes have just changed, that's all. And I think that's a natural progression. And, and even though that you do eat all the things, do you, you tend to gravitate towards maybe a more higher-quality food rather than ultra-processed foods now? Absolutely. Like I, t I, one thing I do try to do is if I open uh, with a carb, um, then for my dinner, I don't tend to have a carb because what happens when I have a carb, when I open my window, I t tend to get too full. So when I, by the time I'm having dinner, I can't even imagine, I can barely eat my dinner. And I know that it's important to have that, you know, cause it's usually a meat, most times it's a meat and a vegetable, right? And my husband always has a starch for sure, or a carb. Um, but for me, I usually just say, just put extra vegetables on my plate. Uh, and, and definitely I, I like crave things like, you know, steak and seafood and, you know, even pork and stuff like that. So definitely higher quality, more vegetables and um, not, I'm just not a big carb fan anymore. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's what happens over time. I think you just change, you know, your tastes just change and you realize that if you are only going to eat once a day, then it's got to be a worthy window for me. That's just how I see it. And I don't judge anybody for what they eat. We've all got to find our own niche in life. We've got to find out what we love and what works for us. But I always say to people, well, if things aren't working, usually there's two places to look. It's during the fast or it's in the eating window. So if you can eliminate down what's not working for you or what food's not serving you well and identify what your trigger foods are that are spiking your weight, then that's something you might want to think about if you are a person that just thinks that they want to eat whatever they want. So you have to sort of qualify that saying, don't you, Jeanette? You can eat whatever you want. With, you can eat whatever you want that's going to make you feel your greatest and serve you the best. But, Jeanette, we talk about appetite correction. 
An appetite correction is something that happens for people after a few weeks or maybe a couple of months of doing intermittent fasting where we get to that stage in our eating window where it almost becomes like an automatic signal when we're ready to shut off and we just realize that we're full. And it's important when you're learning to fast is not to eat past that point to the feeling of when you're really stuffed and you feel like you're going to go lie on the couch and undo your pants. You just got to get to that feeling when you're nicely full, satisfied. How long did it sort of take you to reach that point or or did you reach that point? I definitely reached that point and um, I think probably it happened within the first three months. Uh, I think there was, I, I do believe that there is some willpower to involved in that. Like, I don't think it just happens. You have to really want it. And so psychologically, I think, like, I'm pretty sure I had a lot of com- inner conversations with myself and said, do you really need to have that extra whatever? Um, and why don't you just let it settle for a few minutes and see how you feel? And then a- as time went by, uh, I think the appetite correction happened and now it's, you know, there's nothing to leaving stuff on my plate that I, you know, now I'm like, I'm, I'm just full, honey. I'm just full that I can't eat anymore. And he's like, that's fine. You know what? You can have it tomorrow. And I'm like, actually, it's usually his breakfast the next day now. But it's really important to know that there is some willpower for sure. You have to believe in yourself and that you can do this. And then the appetite correction kicks in, I found, kicks in and it just becomes a part of a a routine or just a part of your journey. Yeah, I agree with that. And your husband's probably sitting there thinking, hey, Jeanette, just leave that. I'm going to have that for breakfast tomorrow. Every every time. (laughs) Yeah. So, Jeanette, we often talk about all the positives and all the great things about intermittent fasting, which there is, and certainly the positives outweigh the negatives. But was there any struggles early in your journey or when you were learning to fast and getting used to it? Was there anything you were struggling with or was it pretty smooth sailing? I, I think I'm pretty lucky that it was overall was pr- pr- pretty smooth sailing, although, you know, there was times when I was white knuckling it and going, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, definitely the bathroom issues that I had were a, a bit of a concern for me um, because I just like every time I opened my window, I had to, you know, go. to. The, so I was like, how am I going to have a social life as well? So that was kind of a negative for me um and then um i think just the fact that i wasn't at you know i was i was i bought into if right away but you know in the back i had a lot of self-doubt about myself can you know i've been through this i've lost weight uh it, can i maintain it so it was kind of like that inner demon stuff that was going on and i had to do a lot of uh, talking to myself to convince myself that this was my journey and this is going to be my life. So uh, struggles a little, but uh, I think I was pretty lucky because I I wanted this so bad. I want this so bad. I, I want it to be my life and I think it, I'm worth it. So that's the big thing that always I kept in my mind. I love that. I can really see that great mindset jumping out there. And when you say, I want it, I want to do this, I want to do it for me, I want to look back at my whys you mentioned early, and it's important to write those whys down. And if you ever start feeling like that, to pick up that piece of paper and look at those whys. Keep that motivation going. Stay plugged into groups where you've got people in the same situation and you can chat to them if you're struggling. Hey, reach out because those people have all been there, done that. Everybody struggled some days. 
And hunger is one of the biggest things that people struggle with initially. And I always have people that say to me, oh, you know, I don't know if I can do that, Graham. It's, you know, I'll be starving. I'll, you know, I'll be so hungry. And I'll say to the people, well, look, there's two types of hunger, right? There's head hunger and then there's belly hunger. So head hunger is when that we're saying to ourselves, oh, man, I'm so hungry. You know, I'm starving. I want to, I could eat a horse and chase the rider. And then there's that hunger where we're not feeling that great. You know, we're, our body's telling us that, hey, you need to eat something here. You're not feeling that great. You're feeling a bit off. You might be feeling a bit shaky or a little bit dizzy or something like that. So it's important to listen to your body in those situations. But head hunger, just go and distract yourself, have a glass of water or something like that. Are those sorts of some of the things that you did when you were learning about hunger? Absolutely. Um, and you really do have to listen to your uh, body and your mind. I actually try to think about it, and I, I believe it was you or somebody uh, that said, uh, just try to think about, like, I get hungry every day. Like, I get, I, I don't get, I get head hunger every day. Um, usually it's almost like the same time every day. Uh, so maybe that's going to take years to get rid of. But, um, but I say to myself, oh, you know, those gremlins are just eating my fat away. I know it sounds funny, but it's like, oh, they're they're doing something in there. They're getting rid of it. And then I try to distract myself because, um, you know, I don't want people to think that you, I don't still feel hunger or growling and stuff like that. I do pretty much every day. But there's that mindset. Uh, there's the belief in myself and that um, it, it passes so quickly now, it's unbelievable. Like I could be thinking about it and two minutes later, I, I don't even remember it at all. And I'll go the whole day without thinking about it again. It always amazes me that that happens, um, but it's true. But I, I do believe, like you always say, six to 12 months, you got to put six to 12 months in to uh, make sure to, to have this really happen and get all the great things out of it. I believe it's more than six. Uh, it's maybe not 12, but maybe it's nine uh, for me anyways. And everybody's different, as you always say, but nine to 12 months. And that's where you really start believing yourself and going, wow, this is not so hard. And uh, this is something I could definitely sustain for the rest of my life. Yeah, I mean, you're a person, you mentioned earlier that you've tried so many things in your life with trying to lose weight and so many diets and bouncing up and down and, you know, you get to that point of maintenance and you couldn't deal with that and then you just, these things you were trying weren't sustainable. So what point did you sort of say to yourself, wow, there's something very different here about intermittent fasting. This is something different to anything I've ever done before. Did that take long? Was it a few weeks or a couple of months? That was a few weeks. That was, I don't even know if it was a few weeks. It, I can't even describe the feeling of after a few weeks into it, totally clean fasting, sticking to my protocol, uh, eating, you know, good, still eating good, healthy foods. And, you know, I still have that snack um, that I realized, wow, this is definitely something that I want to do the rest of my life. It was such a different feeling than, uh, depriving yourself of that chocolate bar or that little bit of ice cream or something like that, that all the, that the diets uh, always made me feel like, 
oh my God, I got to get to my goal weight as quick as possible so I don't spend so much money. Because it was, it was a, lot, a lot for me was about the money because I'm not a rich person and every program seemed to cost so much money. Um, so this was just, I'm like, this doesn't cost me anything and I feel the best I've ever felt in my life. So it was pretty quick. It was within a few weeks and I continue to feel that way and I feel so strong about it now. Yeah, I was the same. Probably a few weeks, maybe four or five weeks when I started seeing things change, not just the weight loss. I mean, the weight loss is one thing. But when you see these other things start changing in your body, like for me, it was the psoriasis and I started seeing it look a bit better. Then after three months, it was fading. Then after six months, it was completely gone and I was head over heels in love with intermittent fasting because I was told by three of the best specialists in Australia you will never get rid of that psoriasis. You will have it for the rest of your life. It's nothing to do with your diet. And I'm here to tell them that it's everything to do with your diet. And I cannot wait. I've made an appointment to go and see one of them because he's the guy that took all the photos. And I'm going to walk in there and he's going to get his photos out. And I'm going to show him. And I'm going to say, right, this is what I did. You know, take it on board or not. But I just want to show him that that's what happened. So, Jeanette, we talk about the non-scale victories and the health benefits, as we were just talking about. Just run us through a few of the non-scale victories and the health benefits that came for you. Sure. Well, I mean, probably the biggest thing for me is that uh, I had tinnitus really quite severe in both my ears uh, when I was going through that dark period that I talked about earlier. And uh, I would say it's probably about, I've only got it in one year now, and about 95% of it is gone. Um, You know, I I just went to the hearing uh, specialist uh, the other day, and my hearing is very good. Uh, they don't really die. They, you know, she, she is the one who said, it sounds like you got tinnitus, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when I started going to her. Um, and I said, it's 95% gone. And she says, well, actually, we do see an improvement on your hearing and some of the scales on your hearing. So, you know, that's pretty good considering you're two years older. Um, but, you know, it, tinnitus, it, you know, is a very awful thing to have uh, anybody that has it and uh, it really affects a lot of stuff so the tinnitus was probably the biggest thing um, I definitely had I had heartburn really bad as well and that was totally obviously diet uh, I haven't had heartburn in almost a year now um, and mine was getting so bad that I was taking a Zantac I think it was called or something like that uh, all the time um, because I, I would go to bed and I'd wake up in the middle of the night and it would just be so dreadful. And within probably two weeks of IF, I never, I've never had heartburn since. So that to me is a big, huge, uh, a big, huge thing. And I'll, uh, a couple little things. My nails are stronger. Uh, I've actually, I have, I take blood pressure medication. Um, and I ended up through that dark time. That's when I started taking it. They upped the medication. Then they added a booster onto it. Uh, since then I'm off the booster. Uh, and I just, I'm just monitoring it now in hopes that probably, uh, when I go see her again in about three months, that I'll get to lower, either lower the dose or eliminate it. You know, we have high blood pressure in our family. So who knows if we're going to eliminate it. But if I can go to lower doses or half the dose, I'd be very happy with that. And honestly, just things like I only require six, seven hours sleep now. I don't really care. I don't need 
more than that. Obviously, more energy. I'd still like to see more of that. I think my energy was so, so low during that time that uh, the energy I have now, it seems like it's a lot bigger than I thought possible. Uh, but I still would like to have more. I still kind of like to have a few naps here and there sometimes, but who doesn't, right? So that that's the kind of things, uh, and I'm happy. I'm just happy. Yeah, inner peace, happiness, all those things count. I think you mentioned you had plantar fasciitis too, didn't you? Yes. Yes, yeah. I, I did actually. I had it twice, and then I, I it went away almost within a month of doing IF, and I could barely walk on one of my one of my feet. And uh, then it came back. Actually, um, I think I just pushed myself too hard because I just thought, oh, okay, and I, I can do this now. And I didn't actually let it heal altogether. Uh, it went away. It's gone now. I don't even think about it. It's it's amazingly gone. Period, and that's never come back. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sitting in this chair, listening to, you know, over 125 people tell their story now, I'm never ceases to amaze me what happens in their life and these life-changing things. And, and some of the different things that people tell me, I'm actually compiling a list of them uh, because I think it's so amazing and it's such a, a great testament. You can put them all together and show people about these. And it's not just about the weight loss. It's about all these other things that happen to people. And and yeah, the biggest thing for me, apart from the weight loss, was the psoriasis. And I mentioned there that I thought it wasn't about my diet, but certainly the fasting was helping because you give your, your body a chance to heal from, you know, within. And then you, your cells are regenerating every day and you're just delaying in time in the day where we eat. And it's just given us that chance. And I always say to people about fasting, I look at it like going to a car wash every day and you're getting a free scrub of your insides, you know, and you come out and you're all sparkly and shiny. And that's how I feel after I fast. And then, you know, I really love my eating window. But I just wanted to talk to you now about the support networks. You mentioned your lovely husband there that's been very supportive and he's a great cook and all that and he's waiting for your leftovers. But sort of apart from your husband and your, what's that been like for you? Any negatives along the way? Um, just, you know, in general, some people that don't really understand it, they, they think that you're starving yourself. And, uh, I try to say to them, um, you know, I was 240 pounds. You, how, how, how can that be good? You know, and, you know, I had to do something and intermittent fasting works and there's lots of literature and I always give them the names of the books and Dr. Fung's name and stuff like that. I say, before you make a, you know, such a quick opinion about it, trust me, I'm not starving. And I think I go back to telling them, you know, back in the day when the farmers were out in the farm, you know, yeah, they ate breakfast, but then they didn't eat again, maybe till dinner. You know, so they fasted in between and then they got their whole, you know, 10, 12 hours sleep before they ate again. Things like that, that I try to explain as, be as best as I can, um, because I want everybody else to believe in it, too. So very, very little negative, uh, only positive. So I got a really great friend that she uh, she's my biggest supporter uh, I just went away with her for two weeks to Florida. I was terrified because I didn't know, you know, it's my first big, big vacation. And um, I gained like two pounds and it's already off plus another half in four days. Right. So 
she was there supporting. She goes, you know, you eat whenever you want to eat and I'll eat if I'll try and fast with you, but only till I want to fast. And I said, perfect. So that's what we did for two weeks and it worked out perfect. Oh, that's fantastic. So tell me, how did that feel? I mean, 78 pounds is a lot of weight. When you went on that vacation and you traveled down there to Florida, what was it like when you were traveling as a lighter person now? Oh, sitting in the the sea was amazing. It, uh, you know, like I I could cross my legs in the seat. And uh, I was lucky that I didn't have anybody sitting beside me. But, uh, you know, just in the plane was amazing. It was just a great feeling. But we ended up going to a uh, Blue Jay game when we were there, down there, the uh, Detroit Tigers. It was a Detroit Tigers against Toronto Blue Jays. And I sat down in my seat lots of room and this unfortunately this very obese man and woman sat beside me and I felt so horrible for him and honestly his leg was like right up against me it was 85 degrees it was so hot um I could tell he was uncomfortable but I didn't want to embarrass him because I've been there and I didn't know what to do my girlfriend said let's just get up go to the washroom and uh, when we come back, we'll move over one seat because there was still more seats available. And when we came back, we did. I said, oh, I just wanted to give you a little bit more room. Uh, you know, you've got long legs, I said to him. And he said, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I've, you know, my knee's really sore and I need to stretch it out. I said, oh, perfect. I'm glad I could be a help to you. And he said, oh, thank you again. Like, so I was, I was pretty pleased the way I handled it. I was embarrassed for him, but I wanted to, I just wanted to hug him, right? So this is a hard thing. Yeah, I think that's a very beautiful thing of, of you to do, actually. And um, I know you have more empathy, I think, when you see other obese people. Well, now you're not obese yourself, but when you do, you have still have that empathy because, as you said, you've been there, you've done it. It's the same as me. It breaks my heart, Jeanette. I walk down the street, especially when I see obese children, and I just think, man, they've got to go through a life of obesity. And I just want to get hold of them and their parents and say, hey, listen, you know, these are the things that we can do and don't let them go through a life of this. It's not it's not going to do them any favours, you know, especially obese adults. Like I had a guy come and sit next to me on the plane. He was a big guy. And he all he did was apologise for, you know, taking up my space and bumping into me. And I said, mate, I used to be like you. I said, I was bigger than you. And I pulled out my phone and I showed him the pictures. And he was just like, oh, my God. He said, how did you do that? And so we had a conversation about IF. He asked me, and so I told him. And he started getting really into it. I don't know whether he ever done it because I never saw him again or heard from him. But at least I planted a seed with him at the time. But, you know, I just said, don't keep apologizing, you know. You are what you are. You're entitled to be on this plane just like I am. But, you know, it is uncomfortable. It's a horrible feeling. But when you do go on vacation, it's great. And you put on the bathing suit and you go down the beach and you just fit in. You're like everybody else. Nobody's looking at you. Nobody's making judgment on you. And it just feels good. And, you know, it's just a great thing in your life. And that's another driver for people out there that are starting out and they think the mountain's too high to climb. It's just so many things like that, isn't it, Jeanette, that come along in our journey? Oh, absolutely. It's, I think we're, you just, it's just a totally different side to things and how you look at things and how, you know, how lucky you are to have the support of other people around you, but just how you feel about yourself and um, the confidence is goes through the roof on it. 
on myself or I never had that inner confidence like I do now because I just believe in myself. Like this is like a biggest, probably one of the biggest accomplishments in my life. And so that's what I hang on to. And if I can help anybody or share this experience and this journey with anybody, I'm happy to tell them. Yeah, and I think it's perpetual too. I mean, you mentioned Sandra there before. So Sandra's told you you've had great success and now you're going to tell other people and it just becomes a snowball effect. And you mentioned people being negative and that and saying things like you're starving yourself. And I always say to people, well, you know what? I've never gone to a funeral where they've got up and they say, here lies the bones of Graham because he didn't eat breakfast or he didn't eat lunch. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. So you're not starving yourself. I mean, I've been doing this over four years. If I was starving myself, I think I'd be dead by now. You know, so those sorts of things are just ridiculous for people to say. But as you say, they're just uneducated about intermittent fasting and you did the right thing. You said, well, here's some resources. You can make the decision to look at them or not and then take it from there. But we're going to talk about exercise now. And I know this is something that's very important in your life and a person that's, uh, as we mentioned in your bio, you've done half marathons. Uh, I think you mentioned you did a 220-kilometer bike ride, which is amazing. So tell us about the exercise part for you. Well, I mean, I've always, I've always exercised uh, because I've always loved it. And it was almost like I wanted to approve that, you know, a person that's a little overweight or a lot overweight could still do this, this type of workouts and stuff like that. But it was so hard on my body and everything. And eventually, you know, I, I well, like 240 is my highest weight in my life. So, you know, basically it pretty much ended probably around 220 that I just couldn't do the stuff that I had already accomplished. I mean, I even, you know, in my earlier years, uh, up to about 30, 30, 30 ish, 35, I got my black belt in karate as well. And, uh, so I've done, done a lot of things, but over the last two years, I stopped pretty much doing everything. And I think that's one of the reasons why I didn't feel very well. Um, so now uh, I, I'm just back into exercising. So when I first started, I wanted to see if IF was going to work without exercise. I, I really wanted to because that is mentioned quite a bit in the pot in the in the Facebook group that, you, you know, exercise is not that important. Jen Stevens talks about that. She uses only her vibration play, uh, that it's just not the big part of IF. So I wanted to find, I wanted to do my own little test on that. So probably the first six months, I did very little exercise other than I'd go for a walk. Um, and I might only go two, three kilometers and that would be it. Well, you know, fast forward over to, you know, 12, almost 13 months in, I am now, um, you know, I do my vibration plate because I bought one and I love it. And I do weights on that. I have a whole little weight room downstairs because I'm not really, I'm not a gym rat. And I, my husband and I will go out for like a seven, eight kilometer walk. I'm now up to running seven kilometers and then I walk another three to, because I want to get to 10 kilometers. So I, I'm doing all of that. Uh, and I, I just, I honestly, I can't even imagine. I, and I don't, I don't overdo it because I find if I do, then I end up getting hurt or something like that. I'm a four or five time a week girl that will do that. If I've got to work or I got to go visit my mom, I tend to not do it, do any exercise. So, cause I know IF, I've got that. So if I don't do anything, I'm still going to 
I'm going to be fine. Um, but if I add the exercise in, it helps with my toning and it does help with the weight loss as long as I've got a good protocol. I, I would also have to up my protocol. So to, I do 20 and 4. And I, if I just did 20 and 4, no exercise, I wouldn't gain anything. I won't lose anything probably. As soon as I put a little exercise in there, maybe go up to 22 or 23 or maybe even a 24, that's when the weight starts to fall off again. Yeah, I think that's great. And exercise is pretty important overall for our health, I think. But, you know, when you're a very obese person, exercise is the last thing on your mind. I mean, I didn't want to exercise when I was 360 pounds. It was the last thing I wanted to do. I didn't want to go to the gym. Who wants to go to the gym and everybody stare at you and, you know, snigger at you because you're the biggest person in there and you're, you're struggling and you can't keep up. And in your mind, they might not think that, but you think that they're thinking that. So that becomes a real struggle. And just for me to go for a, a kilometer walk when I was that size, I mean, I did used to do a bit of walking. And like you, I used to be able to try and prove to people, hey, you know, I might be huge, but I can still do this. But then when the weight came off, exercise started becoming almost an obsession for me because I felt so good doing it. And yeah. I've relayed that story before of when I was walking one day and I broke out into a run. <laughs> and it was like that scene from Forrest Gump where the calipers come off his legs and I was running. And I was going, this is me, Graham Curry, and I'm running. And I couldn't believe it. I had tears running down my face because it was the first time that I'd, I kept running. And I must have run for about a kilometre and I thought, I've just run a kilometre. And it was amazing. And after that, it almost become obsessive. And I'd wake up in the morning, it was an easy decision, get up, put my shoes on, and go out for a lovely walk. You might have read on the Fasting Highway Facebook group that I did a 130-kilometer hike here in Australia. Over five days, very tough terrain, brutal. A lot of beach walking, deep, soft sand. And when I was obese, I would have died on that trek. I seriously would have died. I would have had a heart attack or something because there was no way. I, I don't think I even would have attempted to do it because, you know, they say that unless you're reasonably fit, do not do this. There's signs everywhere that tell you that because if you get stuck on the track, you've got to get airlifted out by helicopter. So, yeah, these things are really great. But I'm really being impressed by your mindset. And a lot of things you said today have come from within. And I think it is important to have a great mindset. You're getting near that maintenance phase or you are in maintenance phase now. And sort of how do you find that mentally challenging as, as different to the weight loss phase? Um, no, I, I'm um, – it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, I know maintenance is coming up, um, but I – I actually have a little bit of a change of mindset because I like how you always say have a like a goal range or a maintenance range. Um, so I originally had a goal of like one. Well, originally it was 170. So I've already surpassed that and I got to 162. And, you know, everybody says, OK, enough is enough. You know, enough is enough. But I don't I don't feel that way yet. If I don't take another pound off, I'm OK with that, too. But. My goal range now is uh, 152 to 155. And because listening to you talk about that over and over and over again, I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool because it just takes so much pressure off me because I know like I'm a, I, I uh, weigh every day. Uh, th there is the odd time I'll tell you about that where I don't weigh, but I just find that um, I need that little leeway. Like for instance, I went away and I gained two pounds 
And normally in the past, I would be freaking out going, oh my God, I gained two pounds. But because I'm trying to think of it as a range, I was like, oh, that's okay. You'll get that off. No big deal. And so that's when I decided, you know what, I'm going to have a goal range, a maintenance range, and it's going to be 152 to 155. And I'm going to be okay with that, you know, and I, I, I love that you have talked about that so much. And I really think that's a, a game changer for me. Yeah, it is. And I think the other thing is that <clears throat> over the years, you don't even call it maintenance. Because it just becomes a lifestyle. It's something you just get up and do every day. So really, rather than say maintenance now, I just say, well, it's a lifestyle. And I like to call it vigilance without obsession, right? So you're not obsessing all the time. And like you mentioned, you went on the vacation to Florida. You came home. You didn't freak out over putting on a couple of pounds. And probably two or three days later, it was gone again. And you had a lovely vacation. You made memories with your friend. And that's what life's about. And it's really important to be flexible and it's really important to understand that you can't gain four or five pounds overnight. You know, in fact, you might gain two or three pounds in water weight, for instance, that sort of thing. And then um, you go back to your normal fasting lifestyle after your vacation or whatever it may be or the event, you'll be fine. So don't freak out. And just when you get to maintenance, the important thing is to remember is if you got there with what you're doing and if you continue to use the tools of intermittent fasting and what I say is in that goal range you're talking about, if I'm up the top of the range, then I rein things back down. You know, I shorten my window up when I look at my food choices. If I drop down below that range, if I feel like I'm getting too light or I'm looking gaunt or something like that, then I broaden that window up for a couple of weeks, you know, just to sort of ease it up and down in that range. And I think, yeah, don't have a goal number because that's going to do your head. And if you don't stick on that exact number, have that range to give yourself some grace and some flexibility. But I can't tell you what a great thing it has been today to have you on this podcast, Jeanette. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation with you. But before we go, I really want to tap into that experience and mindset that you have. And if you were sitting down with some friends here in Canada, having a coffee or giving a presentation about IF, what would you tell people about how to start and why? I kind of had to write this down because I wanted to make sure that I – pretty much got to say it. So um, I said, be patient and kind to yourself. Some great man said, stand in front of a mirror daily and say affirmations to yourself, which I honestly do. Read, delay, don't deny and fast feast, repeat. And Graham's book, listen to the TFH podcasts. They're so beneficial and inspirational and join the group. Ask questions or use the search button at top of the, the site. And if you have a question, chances are someone else had that same question. Uh, so don't be don't be frightened. Uh, look for the support that that group gives you, and don't give up. If you have a bad day, just start again tomorrow. But most of all, I can't tell you how much. Just know you are worth it, and to every day look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm worth it. And uh, over time, I, I honestly believe, you know, here's a girl that 240 pounds and never believed in herself, has been on every diet and has paid thousands and thousands of dollars. And here's something free, uh, other than a few, a few dollars for the books, that I believe every day that I'm worth it and I'm gonna get to where I wanna be and it's gonna be the, my journey of a lifetime. So just appreciate yourself. And sure, there's going to be ups and downs. 
uh, but you can do it. Well, I think that's fantastic. And it must have been a very wise man that said that, but you know, it's a great thing to say those daily affirmations and be positive about yourself every day. And you are worthy. You do deserve it. You know, and tell yourself that. You know, we see people beating themselves up all the time saying, I hate myself. You know, I can't stand the way I look. Well, you've got to flip that thinking, Jeanette. You've got to turn it into that positive. You've got to say, you know what, I'm improving. Every day I'm getting better. And this is just time. It takes time. And as we mentioned before, six, nine, 12 months, you've got to give it that. Because you can't make a judgment after two weeks or three weeks and say nothing's happening because it takes time for this to happen. It took me 55 years to get as obese as I was. It took me 15 months to undo it. So the road to good health was a lot shorter than the road to poor health. But anyway, Jeanette, thank you for joining me here today on the Fasting Highway. Thank you. It was a real honor. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Oh, thank you so much, Jeanette. Thoroughly enjoyed that conversation with you, I've got to say. And I really love that mindset shining through in this episode. And I love what you talked about there with those positive self-affirmations. And yes, please keep doing them. And I'd suggest to anybody out there around the world, talk to yourself more positively every day and things change. But Jeanette, I cannot tell you what a pleasure it's been. And thank you again for joining us on the Fasting Highway. Anyway, folks, don't forget also, as we talked about in the podcast, Uh, You can join us in the Fasting Highway Facebook group. We've got people from all over the world in there that can help you get started, answer your questions or any concerns. So that's the Fasting Highway Facebook group. Uh, Also, as mentioned, if you are interested in my own story, how I made intermittent fasting a successful long-term lifestyle after losing the 60 kilos, 132 pounds, you can get my book on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle. That's the Fasting Highway. Also, if you are in New Zealand or Australia, uh, you can get it from my website direct from me at www.thefastinghighway.com. Anyway, folks, until next week, be well, be safe, and remember, clean fasting is everlasting.